Research Pages, a podcast all about supporting academic research. I'm Neve Page, a librarian at the University of Cambridge. And I'm Andrew Page, a computer scientist from the Quadrum Institute. We are both information professionals supporting research, but coming from very different angles. We hope you enjoy listening. Well, it's been a while since we've done one of these podcasts. Since we last did one, the whole world turned upside down. And one of the things that's been going on is that you've been doing a lot of COVID research all of a sudden, Andrew. And because of that, we thought maybe it would be interesting to do one of our podcasts, but focusing on the variants. There seems to be a lot of interest in those at the moment, but my understanding from you is that the mutations happen all the time anyway. So I have loads of questions like what is the difference between normal normal mutation and then when at what point do you decide it's a new variant, things like that. So to start, maybe tell me a little bit about the level of change you see normally when you're doing genomic analysis, you know, for the first however many months of the work you were doing, you were always seeing a certain amount of variation in the genome, but you weren't calling them new variants. What was that level of what you were seeing before? So over the past year, what we've been seeing is changes happen in the genome all the time, normally at about a rate of about two changes a month. And it's been, you know, quite like clockwork. And we've been using these changes to track the spread of different lineages throughout the world. So there have been uh, cases where particular lineages, so that is something that's genetically distinct, have popped up. Over the summer, the incidence of uh, coronavirus is very low in the UK. And then everyone went on their summer holidays and then they brought back lineages which were circulating in Europe. So in particular, there's one which uh, was first identified in Spanish agricultural workers and then it spread to the local community and then it spread to tours and then it spread to other countries. And then that became the dominant lineage in the UK. And in September, October, November, it was, you know, accounting for virtually all of the cases. So you've been talking about a a normal level of change. You've been talking about different lineages that already existed in different places. Why are people now talking about variants rather than lineages? And what exactly is the difference between a variant and a different lineage? My God, I mean, there is huge confusion over a lineage a variant, a strain, and they're they're not, you know, like super well defined. So there's a bit of wiggle room and fuzziness and everyone is confused. So they generally by normal people they're interchangeably used, even by people in the field. It's confusing. What we use quite a bit is lineage, and that's because we want to look at clusters of genomes and then use that for genomic epidemiology. So saying, is something similar or different? Where it gets confusing then is where you have a lot of changes and you want to get across that, you know, something is maybe concerning. And that's where the name new variant has come from. So at what point does it stop just being a different lineage? And at what point do you decide to start calling it a new variant instead? That's a very difficult question. And it came about because Public Health England said, we have a variant under investigation. And they gave it an ID number, so it was VUI 
uh, 2020-12-01 because that was the, the month and the year and it was the first one identified in that month. So, you know, nice naming convention. A bit of a mouthful, but nice naming convention. And that's where then the word variant came up and people then started getting excited about it, particularly when the Minister for Health stood up and said, you know, this is a problem. And at that point... There's only one of them being talked about, but now we have about four of them at least, and there's probably going to be more every day. And there's different competing trains of thought. Some people would say you need to define a constellation of changes which may arise independently throughout the world. And that's kind of what we're seeing now. We're seeing similar changes in similar parts of the genomes arising totally independently, in different parts of the world and that's obviously because it gives some kind of advantage to the virus so it might help it spread or it might help it affect the immune system that kind of thing and these independent changes then it makes the virus in some way fitter and it allows it to spread more so as genome sequencing ramps up around the world we're going to see more of these we're also going to see a lot of panic where people have a have a look through their data and they find, oh, I've got, got a change here, it looks interesting. And then suddenly, you know, you have this big, huge, you know, news flash saying, oh, we've, we've got a, another variant and it's causing, you know, all this, all these problems where it might, you know, cause the end of the world. Well, you know, we don't know. In terms of lineage, then, that's a, that's for phylogenetics. And it's just a way of kind of categorizing things loosely and saying, well, these are similar, these are similar. Mm -hmm. And it's shorthand for what's similar what's different so do you think then that people are going to start saying variant where two months ago they would have just said new lineage yeah so for, <laughs> this is really confusing okay so if you take what we have in the uk first of all it was vui 2020 1201 then it became variant of concern when they did a bit more investigation so then it's voc 2020 Referring 12, to the same thing. Oh, one. Yeah, same thing. Then the press was calling it the Kent variant mm -hmm. or the UK variant, or initially it was just the new variant. And I'm doing air quotes here, um, which obviously doesn't translate to podcasting, but there you go. And then you have another group who have a, a, a different naming scheme, and they said it was like 20i slash 501y dot v1 right just to deconstruct that the first 20 is like the year and then i is like the hurricane naming scheme you know where you, you give big events you know these you individual it, letters yeah. yeah and then 501y is this major change that people think is linked to increased transmission and then v1 means it was like the first one found mm -hmm. and that's great but then you have also a lineage name um, which is decided by uh, Ali Pibus's group, and that's B1.1.7. So you're saying there's a whole load of different names for the exact same thing? Yeah, it's really confusing. And so often I am, um, you know, when I'm communicating with people, I'll put in like three or four different identifiers because I don't know which one they're actually using themselves. So it gets super complicated, super quick. But where it gets even more complicated is that 
as people started looking into this stuff more and they've found particular uh, concerning patterns, we've found more and more of these variants that people think are concerning. And so South Africa, Etulio de Oliveira came up and with their sequencing, they, they found that actually there was a rapidly spreading lineage down there. And they found that actually it had a similar mutation to one that was in the UK. It arose independently, but similar. Mm-hmm. Of course, they were smart and they made sure not to have their country's name associated with that variant. And so it's now, it was called 501Y.V2 because the second time this particular mutation was identified and is of concern. But we call it as well B.1.351 and... Basically, everyone's calling it, you know, lots of different things. Let me stop you there. So I'm a librarian and I'm thinking, I'm listening to all of this and thinking, oh my God, how much more confusion could you create by labelling the exact same thing so many different ways? Why? Why do they label them all differently? I don't understand why they don't pick one and then call it that. Why have so many different ones? It's pandemic and everyone is doing things very rapidly. Things are changing. There's no rules uh, properly set for this particular virus. And so different groups in different parts of the world are labeling it slightly differently. Some people are looking at just the phylogenetics. Some people are looking at things that are concerning. Mm -hmm. And it gets very confusing very quickly. Even people in the field don't understand most of this. And I only have a, a a passing grasp on it so well because i thought i thought metadata of this sort was very well established in that field so that's what's fascinating to me that obviously what's been working reasonably well in a normal pattern seems to be falling apart a little bit when it comes to midst of a pandemic when these changes are happening so rapidly obviously all the different possible ways of naming things are being used instantly to mean the same to to apply to the same thing yeah these aims are being pumped out very rapidly um you know often within a few hours of a notice going out they, they'll have to label it so that the press and everyone can convey that this is the thing we're talking about mm. because it gets so confusing so quickly yeah um the who are trying to I suppose get some normality there and uh bring people together mm. um, but obviously you know it's so complicated so within the field, people are now talking about constellations of mutations. And that just makes the names a little bit even worse, because now you're not just talking about a few letters and numbers. You might be talking about, you know, three or four different mutations tacked mm. on to something else. And it can get very confusing to convey this information very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I suppose there is a need for shorthand with this and you can see why the media so quickly starts calling it the kent variant or the south african variant or the one from brazil so we have to say that uh, we're recording this on the 16th of january and that's very important because this stuff changes every day only yesterday there was confusion over brazilian variants because you were saying there were two brazilian variants well obviously there are many changes as we've established already there are many different lineages but there are two Brazilian variants that are currently being looked at. This is where it gets confusing because a Japanese group identified uh, in Brazilian travellers that there was, you know, some serious changes that looked really bad and they sequenced them and they made it public. Um, That was just last weekend. And then 
there was no real data, there's very little data, it took time for it to come out. By that time then more groups released data from Brazil and people got really, really confused at that point. So there are two interesting lineages or, or there are two interesting variants now label P1 and P2 mm-hmm. to make things a little bit easier. Okay. So P1 is the one that people are most concerned about. It has loads of changes, and particularly with E484. Sorry, E4, yeah, E484. And that is the one that people are panicking about, and that's in Amazonia. Um, is it Manatus? Or... Manaus, isn't it? Yes. And so that's where they're really uh, concerned. There were no cases as of uh, last night in the UK of that type, but there have been cases of a similar one with a similar history, but without most of the mutations. And that just has you know one of these particular mutations rather than you know a whole you know bucket loaded of them. Mm-hmm. And and that's the one that is in the UK. That's the one that definitely is in the UK because I've looked at it and found it in our own data. Mm-hmm in the east of England and I've verified the mutations manually because you know you have to triple check this stuff before mm-hmm. you go and, and tell clinicians there's a problem. And unfortunately the media picked things up incorrectly and so then there's lots of hype for a few minutes over something that didn't really exist and it was just that there was confusion over naming and so we have a crisis of naming variants of concern mm-hmm. in the world. This must be incredibly challenging to manage because um, the research is all happening so fast. There is understandably global interest in what's going on. People want answers. I know you've had phone calls asking you to give a comment on something that you'd heard about three minutes beforehand. It's not really surprising that the message gets twisted at times. Yeah, like last weekend I had a journalist on asking what's going on with this um Brazilian lineage. I shouldn't call it Brazilian lineage because that's confusing. (laughs) But anyway, at that time, there was only one people were interested in, which is P1. And that, like, we're basing everything off, like, a a screenshot of a tweet and that someone had translated uh, from Japanese into English people using Google Translate. Luckily, someone in my group speaks uh, Japanese. And then, you know, we're, we're basing it off that. And then the journal, there's no data available in uh, in GizAid at all at that point. You know, being deposited takes time. Mm. And so everyone was trying to base things off like partial information. And it took, you know, another day or two for stuff to actually get out there and be released and be analysed by people actually know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so then there are two posts on virological kind of competing posts, actually, by Brazilian groups. And that really cleared it up. Certainly one with, uh, I think, the CADE project who had done Zika sequencing, you know, really did clear a lot of that up and, you know, said, okay, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. These are mutations. This is how we're going to bring it under control. Yeah. But it is confusing. And I know that next week we're probably going to have more. Like, these. they seem to be popping up like mushrooms, you know. There's going to be a load more, you know, when we wake up. Well, yeah, especially as we say, if people start calling every new lineage a new variant, it's, it, yeah, the media's, at some point they're going to burn out though and stop being so interested in all these new variants. God only knows, hopefully quite quickly. But then, you know, you're going to be getting into, delving into 
problematic areas very rapidly. Like you had in the US, Trump was talking about the China flu. Mm. That, that's why when naming these kind of things, you want to get away from country names because you don't want to stigmatize things mm. like Spanish flu and, and this kind of thing. They can stick around for a long time. Yeah. So you've got to be very, very careful about it. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I suppose we should talk about is how worried we should be about all of these different variants and it sounds like the answer is increased transmissibility in the uh sorry can't call it the uk variant b.1.1.7 whatever it is sure <laughs> um so the increased transmissibility is a concern even if the symptoms after it's been transmitted are similar to what was already there purely because if it's being transmitted more quickly, then there will be more people having all of these symptoms in the full range from mild, barely know you're ill through to mortality. With the other variants, do we have any sense of what's going on with them? What effect these uh, clusters of mutations are having on those particular variants? This is... A problem, right? Because things happen so quick that people haven't had enough time to properly study the actual variants and the impact. And, you know, that takes a lot of time. It takes scientists in a lab Mm -hmm. quite a long time. So we have to look at maybe higher level things or kind of make educated guesses. And we don't have the luxury of having, you know, a year or two years to, you know, really dig into this stuff. It has to be done like Mm -hmm. sometimes hours or days, you know, people just knocking stuff out. And that is a problem, and it'd be many, many false alarms. Mm. We do know, or we could see very clearly from the UK variant, sorry, <laughs> B117. Uh, we know from that that actually it does transmit more because during our lockdown here, we could see everything else going down and going extinct. And then this one, you know, was just shooting up rapidly. Mm-hmm. And it, it stabilised in, in our area in, in Norfolk at about 80% of all new cases, which is quite high. Like, that's mm-hmm. shockingly high. And it's come from basically nowhere, you know. The first case in that area was maybe in mid-November, you know, mm-hmm. and it's suddenly come to dominate. Um, with the variants in other parts of the world... There is concern that maybe it changes how the antibodies work, um, maybe as a, a way to evade mm-hmm. and, and live longer in your body. And stop being killed off. Um, so the, a lot of that work is ongoing. But certainly it's just going to take time for everyone to tease things out because something might look bad in by a you know, computer model, mm-hmm. but actually maybe it isn't bad in reality or... It may be it's a combination of two or three or four different changes which make it, which change how it works. Yeah. Now, maybe we might find that some of these changes make things better. Maybe it lowers mortality, maybe it makes it spread more easily or give a longer um, infectivity period. We don't know, but there can be other changes which reduce the severity of disease. Mm-hmm. Um, fingers crossed for that. Luckily, virus uh, vaccines are coming along quite rapidly and being deployed quite rapidly, so we'll protect the most vulnerable people in the population. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing any um, vaccine escapes yet because obviously the vaccine hasn't been deployed widely enough, mm-hmm. but that will be the next big thing coming up on the radar, which will be vaccinated people getting COVID and then trying to figure out what's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Thank you for taking the time to tell me more about the difference 
between lineages, variants and so on. I'll watch this space. We, although after listening to this, you're probably still confused because I still am. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Research Pages. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify or whatever platform you use. The views expressed in this podcast are our own opinions and do not represent the views of the University of Cambridge or the Quadrum Institute.